0: Hello and welcome to The Solve Network. I'm Shane Borza, host of the podcast. Along with my co-founder, Benjamin Goss, we'd like to welcome you. Our mission is to provide solutions and create a network of experts for you to learn from. We hope this episode and expert helps you to learn, grow, and move forward. And now, on with the show. Scene one, Apple, take one. Hi, I'm Shane Borza, your content creator coach. I have two books on filmmaking, Film Notes, where you learn to write, direct, and produce, and the Film Notes workbook, where you can learn checklists and paperwork to streamline creating your content. Available at shaneborza.com I also have filmmaker resources like the Paperwork Bundle with over 300 documents, the Sound Effects Bundle with almost 3,000 files, and the Music Bundle, featuring 900 tracks of all genres. Want to build your professional credits? Become an associate producer and get listed on IMDb. Let me help you get your art out into the world. Scene one, Apple, take one. I have a question here. You mentioned uh, the mental diet. Uh, Talk about how we consume mentally. That happens in multiple ways, yes?
1: Yeah, it's... Our our mental diet is basically, and it kind of ties in with, with what you had just shared there, what we allow to fill our thinking. So... There are things that we don't have much control over. So there are certain things that we just find out about. I mean, if I'm, if I'm, uh, my office is directly across the street from a hospital. And so I frequently will hear sirens. So when you hear sirens, that's part of your mental diet. You know, in that moment, someone's having a traumatic event, right? So I find myself praying for whoever is in that ambulance being brought into that building. Uh, and so I can't control that, right? That's something, if I'm in proximity to that, I can't control that. But what I can control is the fact that when I wake up in the morning, I don't have to start immediately consuming news. In fact, what I start doing in the morning when I wake up is I have something I read. So it's either scripture or it's something that's pointing me, uh, in a direction that's going to help my faith. And I've decided that that's a better way to begin my day. With something that's going to, you know, the first source of information that I'm receiving in the day, I don't want it to be a problem. I don't want it to be a major world event. I don't want it to be someone's complaint. I want it to be something that's edifying and it's healthy. And so there are aspects of of what become part of our, our mental diet that are very much under our control. And we can say, all right, I am choosing to consume this. I am choosing to consume content from this book. Or I'm choosing not to consume content from this TV show or this movie or this news source or whatever it may be. And, um, and you know, it, it's definitely one of those things where, where we have to be very intentional because it, it will come out in our life one way or another. They always say behavior follows belief. So if I'm feeding my mind and feeding my heart information, that's going to impact my beliefs and that will eventually come out in my behaviors.
0: Yeah, uh, very well said. I have been an athlete my whole life and, you know, they always say, like, you know, you you will do what you train or you will, uh, you know, react what you prepare for. And uh, I think that that is just as true with our uh, minds and our spirits as it is with anything else. I have a comment here or a question, uh, rather, about what you were talking about, uh, the concept of repentance. And you mentioned that it can be a positive and not a negative. Um, So the comment here is that that seems like quite a paradigm shift. Is that right?
1: It's a paradigm shift in the sense that it's not a a form of repentance that I hear people talking about. Most of the time, people talk about repentance as if it's a burden or as if it's something that's, that's like a threat. And really, biblical repentance is a privilege. It's one of those things where you're saying you have the opportunity to turn from something that's destroying you toward something that's life-giving. That's the concept. And it's saying, you know, turn from this before it ruins you. Turn from this before it steals your joy. Turn from this before it consumes you and turn toward what can actually help. So in regard to our faith, we're turning from disbelief to belief. You know, at one point I was living like an enemy of God and now i believe that jesus christ is the solution for for truly what i need and in regard to my beliefs there was a time where i was preaching a false gospel to my heart there was a time where i was preaching things to my heart that were unhelpful and unhealthy and unwise and I can repent of that. I could say, you know what, I'm going to stop preaching that to my heart. I'm going to stop believing those things and I'm going to turn toward. So you're always turning from something and towards something. That's the essence of repentance. And is the thing that I'm turning toward what's ultimately helping me is the thing that I'm turning toward, uh, you know, the very thing that is life-giving or is it life-destroying?
0: Well said, and I, I would agree. I think uh, that is the first time I've ever heard anyone talk about it as the opportunity or like as the the gift. Uh, it very much is, uh, I think, a new thing to think of it as a positive. And I hope that that lands for whoever listens to this. And I would encourage them to ponder that because it's pretty profound, even just as you were saying it. So I'm glad that there was a question here to bring that back up. So I'm going to move on to talking about this uh, passive mindset versus a proactive mindset. Uh, the question is, is there a better way to present an opposite uh, mindset or like the the shift there from one to the other? If from a, either from that from, from a, a passive to proactive or uh, um, perhaps a passive to um uh, uh, or like a, I guess that's a similar shift to that uh, movement we were just talking about, and in, in talking about uh, how you can have that um, paradigm shift happen, where people can switch the way they look at the uh, the burden being the gift. Is there a way to help people have that mindset shift happen in other ways, and go from being passive about things to proactive about things?
1: Yeah, and I I think uh, a lot of that really will come down to uh, a little bit of what we were talking about just a moment ago with the idea of the, the diet that we're feeding our mind. So if I'm constantly... So I'll take you back to that example of that that, uh, woman that I mentioned that I was offering counsel to. She is surrounded by two very negative voices. And it's very unfortunate that the dominant voices that she's hearing in her family relationships are as negative as they are. So she's got a lot of work to do in in one sense if she's going to overcome that messaging. And so what I, my encouragement to her, in addition to this idea of, You know, She had some misplaced faith, misplaced trust. And I said, all right, let's begin with with trusting in Christ to do the things that you cannot do for yourself. But I also said, you're preaching a message to your heart that's not helping you. And it's also not true. The things that you're preaching to your heart, it's not true. You are not worthless. You are not hopeless. You shouldn't be telling yourself those things each and every day. But I said, I can't make you change your mind. But what I can do is I can encourage you to read something. So let's start with this. And I encourage, I pointed her to a portion of scripture. The actual portion of scripture I pointed her to is 1 Corinthians 13, which is a a chapter that I frequently hear read at weddings. But if you look at the heart of that chapter, it's also talking about, talks about three things that were missing from her life. And so I wanted her to see it in this chapter, faith, hope, and love. They're all referenced in that chapter. And I said, all right, faith, hope, and love. You don't feel loved in an unconditional way. And so you preach to yourself that you are unlovable. And I'm telling you that, that God really does love you. And he's demonstrated that through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. And I said, I said, you you're living your life as if your life is hopeless, but I'm telling you there is genuine hope in Christ beyond your circumstance. And your faith up to this point has been in yourself And I'm saying, trust him to supply what you need. And so I said, your heart needs to hear and your mind needs to hear a message that emphasizes faith, hope, and love. And so what I encouraged her to do was to make a practice of reading 1 Corinthians 13. And actually what I said to her was, read it until you believe it. Keep reading it until you believe it. Because she has to replace her internal dialogue. Her internal dialogue right now is all goofed up in the sense that she's telling herself things that are so unhealthy. The things that you would never tell somebody else. I mean, could you imagine going up to someone in your life and just saying to that person, hey, you are unloved, you are worthless, you are beyond hope, you, you are beyond redemption. Could you imagine saying that to somebody? Who would say that? What kind of psychopath would say that to another person? And yet so often that's the very thing that we say to ourselves we'll say things to ourselves that are so cruel that we would never even say to another person. And, you know, this woman was spending, I mean, up to this point, she spent the majority of her life doing that. That's hard to overcome in one day. Now I, I believe it can be overcome, uh, but it's hard to overcome in one day, but the truth wins. And so truth overcomes lies. And so my encouragement to her was let's replace these lies. Let's get rid of these lies. Let's get some truth here. And so I said, "All right, my my homework for you is just read First Corinthians thirteen, especially as it emphasizes the concept of faith, hope, and love, and read it till you believe it."
0: I think you have a very uh, masterful way of finding some of these things and like flipping them a little bit. Like you mentioned, <laughs> that's usually read at uh, weddings, for instance, and repurposing that or looking at it in a new way. And I find that this is almost like a theme through some of these these things, reframing things. Um, so I, I think that's wonderful. I have a thought here on needing Christ or God to stand in for me to do what I cannot do for myself. Is this contrapositive to the self-help movement? What are your thoughts?
1: I, I think it kind of is, you know what I mean? It, meaning, what, you know, the self-help movement is, first of all, there's a lot of very interesting books that I think would fall into the self-help Uh, book category. And one of my favorite books would fall into that category. Um, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People is just a, a wonderful book that really, I think, is just all about what does it look like to be a respectable person who shows people respect. And uh, I read that book when I first started serving in leadership. I found that immensely helpful as a leader to just learn to show people respect. Like that book talks about showing people respect and how that really helps you in your role of leadership and things like that. So that's a that's a self help book, right? You know, so I look at that and I would say, okay, it's a self help book, but at the same time, it's you know genuinely helpful. Um, but the self help stuff goes way too far. Because there are certain things, obviously, I can do for myself, but then deeper level things I actually can't do for myself, where I would need supernatural help to actually do it. So when it comes to, especially, you know, issues related to spiritual things, I, I don't believe that I have the capacity to just fix all my thinking. And I don't believe I have the, uh, I, the in myself, I have infinite strength. And my, my proof for that would be this. I believe creation was spoken into existence by our creator. That's what the Bible teaches, that God spoke creation into existence. Well, he's got power like that. I know I don't have that kind of power. I've never spoken creation into existence. It also tells us that he sustains the universe by his powerful word, well, I know I am not sustaining the universe. <laughs> and so I did not speak creation into existence and I am not sustaining the universe. Uh, I have some power. And the Bible talks about the fact that I've been created in his image. And so I have some power, but I don't have the kind of power he has in and of myself. But what I do have is access to him. And when you look at what scripture says, it's saying, look, ask and it'll be given to you. Ask for the help that you need. The Lord will give it to you. But if I go around and basically say, you know, I've already got everything I need. What I think that does is that preaches a false message to my heart where I'm basically saying to myself, I'm God. I have all power. I don't need him. I I could just do all this for myself. And that's a very unhealthy thing because it's just a form of idolatry where basically I would be turning myself into the, the idol. I would be worshiping myself. It just seems like supreme narcissism to say that I have everything in and of myself when you look at what scripture says and it it talks about the fact that no you have a loving creator who offers himself to you but teaches us to live in a a relationship with him where we acknowledge him and the fact that the power that we need will come from him and have some humility about that so it is different from self-help you know so i I don't want to say that that all self-help books or all 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 those things you know are, are are um you know, anathema to some of the things I'm talking about, because some of those books actually can be helpful, but some of them are kind of silly. Like anything that would say in and of yourself that you already have everything you need in and of yourself is basically to treat yourself like you are your own God. And, uh, that's not a healthy thing. That ends up resulting in you treating yourself like you're maybe even better than other people, or that you don't even need the help of other people because you have everything that you need in and of yourself it doesn't really work that way. I don't think that human beings were created to operate like that. We were created to live in relationship with our creator and in relationship with one another. Because I, I don't believe that I could even look at other people and say, I don't need you because I do need you. You know, I need other people to help me in areas where I'm weak. And I need God to help me in areas where only his strength is sufficient.
0: Another great point. I think it's very important to differentiate the things that are greater than us. And yeah, I think that was a very well said and well thought pairing um, of those two different ways. You know, the, um, obviously there are people who are experts at something and they can help you do that thing. And then there are things beyond that are, are greater and grander. And knowing the difference is probably very helpful. So we can figure out where to turn. Is it some expert or a book? Sure. Is it faith or something larger than ourselves? Maybe. And not knowing that those are both important would probably, people would default to only one. They would miss out on the other. Yeah. Uh, I have a comment here where you're talking about earlier with uh, the Corinthians verse. Uh, Can you talk more about the read it until you believe it? How do we read for meaningful comprehension that impacts our beliefs?
1: That's a pretty cool question. The, when, you're, when you're looking at something like that, right? So let's say it's the first time you've ever read a portion of scripture like that. I think sometimes when you read a portion of scripture like that, you look at it and you're like, hmm, do I agree with it? You know, that's kind of one of the first things that we kind of wrestle with. It's like, does this seem true? Does this seem accurate? And so we kind of, I think we usually start with a little bit of a guard up because we think I, I have to be discerning here. Is this something I think is is accurate? And then we read it again and we think about it a little bit longer and maybe even sleep on it and then kind of revisit it. And it's like, all right, let me, let me test this out a little bit. You know, let me see if these concepts that I'm, I'm reading here and, and thinking about and now kind of sleeping on overnight does it seem like it works in, the, in, in real life? You know, and, and maybe even let me talk about it with somebody who's also familiar with this or willing to read it and, and, and willing to kind of think about it out loud. I think it's an overtime thing. I don't think you, when you're reading something for belief change, I mean, you could do one of two things with it. You could say, I reject it or I accept it. And uh, there are many things that I look at. I think probably most things i'm I'm looking at with some degree of healthy skepticism, where I'm saying, I need to examine this before I automatically believe something. But when it comes to something like that, my encouragement to to that woman when I, I encourage her to keep reading that, I know that she's at a spot where she desperately needs some hope. And I know that she's desperately in need of hearing just how loved she really is from God's perspective. And I know that it can be very hard to have faith that these things are all going to work out for her when it seems like her day-to-day life is so discouraging. And so when I said to her, keep reading this till you believe it, what I was trying to offer to her was a message that was the exact opposite of what she was hearing preached to her time and time again. She needed something better than that. She needed something helpful instead of the criticism she was receiving from several of her family members that was unfounded criticism, but she was treating it like it was true. And because she was believing it like it was true, she was also believing that that's how she was probably seen from God's eyes too. And so I thought, all right, well, do you want to know how you're actually seen from the eyes of God? Take a look at what scripture actually says. If you believe that he divinely inspired this book to be written, Look at what it says and compare that to the message you're preaching to your own heart and compare that to the message that maybe you're hearing from your spouse and from your son. And, uh, and so that's kind of what I was getting at in her case. I was saying, here's the antidote. You're hearing and believing lies. Here's truth. Let your heart meditate on, on this truth. And hopefully this will be something that encourages your heart because you're constantly surrounded with discouragement and you need a better message.
0: Again, I think that's very apt. The especially way that you talked about people coming to new ideas, especially challenging ideas that they may not uh, either agree with or have thought about. It is a process. And uh, I think that that is also very apt, again, of the way most people will go through this kind of pondering, kind of slow evolution of the inner ability to even allow space for the possibility of movement in themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ben, I'm going to ask if you can jump in. He had this uh, question where he wanted to talk about uh, a certain segment of Christianity and bringing up uh, someone I hadn't heard of before. And I think he might be able to speak better on it than me, just reading the message from the chat. Uh, I'm going to read what he put in here and give him a moment to come in. Uh, says, there's a segment of Christianity that's sometimes referred to as the health and wealth gospel. Some, such as Stephen Furtick, are accused of a man-centered theology rather than God-centered. But he would say the source of self-worth is actually God's work in us through Christ. So Ben, can you maybe expand on that
2: a little bit and maybe talk to John about what you wanted to know there? So what I was starting to say is I have a feeling that uh, John may or may not be familiar with uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, He would be somebody that, at least from what I've seen, seen, he's been to a Southern Baptist uh, seminary. He seems to have some kind of a handle on scripture. And he makes an interesting counterpoint to somebody like, let's say, a Joel Osteen, or then you can get into some really uh, uh, what from my standpoint would be kind of out there folks like, like a Joyce Myers or a Kenneth Copeland. So that's, that's kind of like across from my standpoint, that's kind of across the spectrum. Like if you go from, I guess, John, from my standpoint, if you go from like near center would be Steven Furtick and then to the left of him would be Joel Osteen. And then to the left of, him would be Joyce Myers and then way out there would be uh, Kenneth Copeland. So, you know, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm sort of walking into that, what I would call, um, you know, there's a lot of people that follow folks like that. And I, I think there's either conflation of ideas or, I don't know, I'm just interested in what your viewpoint is on, you know, thinking positively, but having it be God centered as opposed to man centered. And if you've interacted with any other content,
1: I am familiar with all the names that you just mentioned there and uh, will admit that for some of the reasons that you just listed, I, I am not a, uh, uh, a consumer of the content that they produce. Um, the, uh, one of the things I think is immensely important is that whatever we claim to believe, that we don't uh, just tie it to you know, something that is our own thinking or our own, um, you know, just a, a ability to, to come up with something. Any concept that I talked about and dwell on these things, one of the things that I, I kind of make a point to do all throughout the book is tie everything to scripture and make sure that there's scriptural support for each of the concepts there. And so basically the, the, the main concept of the book, this whole idea of dwelling on things and talking to yourself like God talks to you, it's, it's basically the idea of preaching the truth of the gospel to your heart so that it comes out in your life, so that your perspective is such that, that ultimately you're seeing yourself the exact way that God sees you, that you're, you're saying, Lord, give me your eyes so that I see myself the way you see me and that I talk to myself in a way that you would talk to me and in a way that lines up with your word. And so I know that that, uh, you know, some of the names that you listed there, uh, at least a couple of them have, uh, you know, a habit of, uh, I think the way you phrase it was like a man centered theology. And what I'm saying in, in this book here is that that Christ is the solution that our you know, that changes in behaviors and things like that aren't the solution to get us there. Our strength is not sufficient. Ultimately, it's belief change. So repenting of false beliefs and adopting accurate beliefs that are actually in line with what scripture says and what the gospel actually teaches. And, and then those beliefs actually produce uh, healthy change in behavior later. So that that's a good uh, example, maybe a good contrast uh, based on some of the names that you brought up.
2: So if you're talking to somebody, let's say, that's not faith-based, you know, coming from, you know, our persuasion, obviously, you and I have known each other for a really long time. Um, uh, You know, we reconnected at that John Maxwell event, which was pretty cool. Um, What, you know, when you're talking to somebody who doesn't have that faith perspective, And they're kind of on the outside looking in and they kind of want to lump all Christians together and they kind of see people on what I would call, you know, the left end of the spectrum from, you know, where I would consider myself to be a little bit more conservative. I'm more concerned about the fundamentals of scripture. So, you know, I, you know, as a sales and marketing person, I'm positively oriented or at least try to be, but I'm not willing to go so far as to. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to go to that health and wealth kind of thing. And so for people on kind of on the outside looking in, they almost they see this, uh, you know, kind of internecine conflict, if you will, between people that are like, oh, well, you're just following man, not God. And oh, well, you know, I follow God, not man. And, you know, I think sometimes it's hard to not see that as kind of like, I don't know, chest puffing or, you know, um, you know, people get bowed up about it, for lack of a better way to put it. Could you kind of talk to maybe a healthy way for somebody that doesn't have a faith perspective? How could they see that or view that interaction with maybe a more healthy understanding of the, I don't know, the variety that we have in the Christian faith? I don't know. I mean, how do we help somebody see that um, just because somebody puts Christian after their name doesn't mean that we all walk according to the same, uh, five steps or 12 steps (laughs) as it. Yeah. I think,
1: I think sometimes one of the things that gives me pause when I see certain leaders and, and certain, uh, preachers, you know, conveying a message is whether or not they're trying to portray that, that this life is all that there is. Meaning, like the, the, this life is the one that, that ultimately, um, you know, we, we need to be, uh like overly consumed with when they, they focus on things from a very worldly perspective instead of an eternal perspective. And so the difference that I would say when it comes to messaging,
2: instead of saying worldly, would you say like a here and now perspective, like, uh,
1: Yeah. Maybe something like that, you know, where, where basically they're just looking to, to consume the best of this world at, at whatever expense. And that that they would say like the ultimate goal is to get the best of this world and to lead the coziest, cushiest kind of life. And, um, and that's not, um, a perspective that I share because, when you look at what Scripture says, it actually says that this side of heaven, we can expect that there will be trials that we're going to experience, but that God has a purpose for those trials. So, for instance, you know, if um, if I'm going through a dark season, if I'm going through a trial, something I can't control, and I start looking at that and I say, "Now, wait a second, you know this this particular you know this popular preacher told me that if I had great faith, I wouldn't go through trials." And, you know, and I I look at something like that and I think to myself, all right, well, what does scripture actually say about trials? Well, scripture tells us that trials are a great opportunity for our faith to grow. Trials are a great opportunity for us to grow in holiness. And Jesus himself said, don't expect better treatment in this world than what I received during the course of my earthly ministry. And so when I look at at what scripture actually says, those are the messages I need to be be reinforcing to my heart. I need to be talking to myself like God talks to us. So I need to be talking from the reality of what scripture actually says, not the perspective that that somebody that, that tries to paint the picture that somehow my life is going to be rosy if I just go about things in a particular way we're never promised that our earthly life is going to be easy or rosy or extremely comfortable. But what we are promised is that we have hope beyond our present trials and that we have help in the midst of our trials. And that if we go through something that's challenging and difficult, we don't have to go through it alone. And there's a greater purpose for it that when we look at it from a long-term eternal perspective, we'll look back at it and say, I'm really grateful for that. And I'll give you a great example. And this is a very pertinent example uh, to this book in particular. And uh, uh, so Ben, the last time you and I saw each other face-to-face was in 2015. And in 2015, I'll admit that that was one of the most difficult years of my life emotionally. And I remember uh, just going through a, a variety of trials that year that I found very painful. And I wasn't sure exactly what to do, but in the midst of those trials, One of the things that I started noticing that was helping me to sleep at night because I was dealing with a lot of anxious thoughts, I started listening to podcasts. And uh, that helped me to think about other things instead of my own problems. And toward the end of that year, after listening to a bunch of podcasts, it dawned on me that I should start creating some podcast content. So I started doing that. And before I knew it, a lot of the things that I was creating started catching on. And it helped me to develop an entire online platform that started to grow larger and larger. And in 2019, that got the attention of a major publisher, the largest publisher here in the United States is Penguin Random House. And they offered me a book deal to write dwell on these things. And part of the reason why they offered me that was because my podcasting platform had grown as large as it had. And if they offer you a book deal, they want you to have the opportunity to connect with almost like a a ready-made audience. And I never would have had any of that in place uh, if I hadn't gone through the trials that I experienced in 2015. So I could very much look at that and testify from a personal standpoint that I'm grateful for some of the difficult things that I went through because I could see the Lord's hand in the midst of it. And I'm glad that as I went through those things, I didn't start preaching a message to my heart that said something like, John, you're useless. John, you're, you're a complete failure. John, you're worthless. Uh, John, God has no purpose for you, things of that nature. Instead, what I ended up doing by his grace was relying on him to see me through that difficult season. And then I started taking some steps that I believed he were birthed from ideas that God was putting in my mind. And he gave me the opportunity to do some new things in ministry. And, and I've been really grateful for it. And one door has led to another and led to another and led to another. And none of that in my mind fits with some of the messaging of some of like the health and wealth folks that, that uh, we referenced just a, a few moments ago who tend to be, um, Uh, almost, uh, you know, some of them tend to look down on seasons of trial as if those are things that are evidence of God not showing you favor. And I would say that some of the best blessings that I've experienced in my life came out of some of those difficult moments that taught me that in the midst of that, I can rely on God more and more, and he's going to make something beautiful out of the mess that I might be going through.
2: I think just my my last question for you, just to kind of follow and wrap this topic up, not to be formulaic, but I mean, do you feel like there's like some general principles if somebody's struggling with like negative self-talk or preaching, uh, let's call it preaching negative to themselves and they really want to change it. Obviously you wrote the book, Desire, um, or you wrote the book, um, Talk to Yourself the Way God Talks to You, you know, the 31 day challenge. Would you say, I mean, um, obviously, uh, like I've scanned the book. I haven't read it in detail. I think you've got some great insights. you got some funny stories. I think it's very engaging. I, I don't find it overly, um, uh, what's the word? It doesn't feel forced, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I think you've done a very good job making it relational so that people can access the content and the concept. So I certainly give it a Uh, a full, you know, two thumbs up and a hearty here, here. Um, But outside of, you know, let's say one thing would be, you know, try the, try the talk to yourself 30 day challenge as like one step or one piece. Um, Are there any other general principles like don't watch the news or like um, I'm just throwing that out because you mentioned it because that one person had that, I mean, Maybe not everybody can do that, but um, I know I'm generally more positive when I don't <laughs> listen to the mainstream media. But I mean, would, is there like a one, two, three things that you'd recommend or a one, two, three, four, five, or is it possible to do that? Or do you feel like every person's different so it's not really possible to come up with those general principles? I think that there's some
1: general things that that we could start focusing on. And I think one of the things would, would just be to take an inventory of where your sources of information are coming from. So the, the primary things that are, um, you know, your diet of information, kind of taking an inventory of that and then just looking at that and saying, all right, is this edifying? Or is this dragging me in an unhealthy and unwise direction? Am I dwelling on things that are lovely? Am I dwelling on things that are pure? Am I dwelling on things that are true? So I would say, take that inventory. And then similar to the concept of repentance that we were talking about before, where you turn from something and towards something at the same time, right? You're turning away from something that's unhealthy and you're turning towards something that is healthy. I would then say, all right, now I need to figure out where am I going to find the truth? If I've been filling my mind and filling my heart with a whole bunch of lies, where am I going to find the truth? So where do I find truth? Well, I believe that you find truth in scripture. I believe that you find truth when it's spoken from the lips of people who believe in Jesus Christ that are trying to point you toward him and, and, and are saying things that are in line with his word. And, uh, and, and so there are, um, you know, those are the prescriptive things that I would say that I would do. That's what I would start with. I would turn, I would take that inventory and then I would start filling my mind and filling my heart with the truth of what scripture says. I would surround myself with people who ultimately are pointing me toward Christ. And I would, I would reinforce all of that with prayer, where I would ask God to directly intervene and lend me his strength because my strength and my wisdom is not sufficient to get me where I need to go, I need His help. I need His strength, and so uh, that that would be where I would start.
2: That feels very practical to me. I like that. You know, uh, you know, try, try the try the talk to yourself the way God God talks to you. You know, as 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 a piece, take an inventory. You know, really examine your self-talk. I mean, those are some this, I think that's a really good uh, kind of breakdown. So uh, I'm going to transition back to Shane as we wrap things up. I I feel like I've gotten a lot out of tonight. Yeah, I would agree. I think it was a great presentation. Like I mentioned, not only on
0: yourself, your beliefs and your book, but just generally uh, about the mindsets we have. And as I mentioned, the, the kind of reversals of some of these things that we think are a certain way, but don't necessarily need to be. And we can re-examine those. As a final question, uh, you mentioned uh, the book. Uh, we talked a little bit about the podcast. I know you had a, a website that you mentioned earlier. So I want to give you a chance to shine a spotlight on all those things and let people know where they can go to either contact you or find more information about any of those.
1: Certainly, there's... There's a a couple places that I could be pretty easily found. Uh, My main website is desirejesus.com. And if you go to desirejesus.com slash dwell on these things, people can read the first three chapters of the book for free and see if it's something that they think would be helpful to them. And uh, something else that that recently I've been uh, spending a lot of time helping people with it really falls in line with messaging as well. Because I think sometimes when we get our own, when we're really starting to understand uh, the message that we should believe, at times we feel motivated to share that message as well. And one of the things that I've I've noticed is a lot of people wonder, all right, how do I go about this? How do I do this? And so recently I launched a a group called Platform Launchers and people could take a look at platformlaunchers.com where basically it's a training community to help people with messaging, to help people if they're trying to build an online platform or if they're trying to get their message out, if they want to learn how to go about podcasting or writing a book of their own or things of that nature, what it looks like to take the message that's part of your core belief and share it with a wider audience. And so again, the two websites, desirejesus.com, and platformlaunchers.com and I'd be happy to interact with uh, any of your listeners on either one of those platforms.
0: Thank you John. I was just actually uh, clicking on that link and uh, I'm looking forward to diving a little deeper into the book and some of the other things you have there. So thank you again for coming and sharing all of your wisdom and knowledge with us. I think it was, as I mentioned, there are a lot of things in there that I think are new and different for people to ponder. And I hope they do go through that transition you mentioned earlier of challenging their belief and sleeping on things and having discussions with people and allowing the possibility to make a shift. Well, thank you all for joining us. Thank you for listening or watching the video if you are watching this. On behalf of my co-founder Benjamin Goss, thank you for joining us tonight and we will see you on the next call. Hey, my name is James. I'm a lawyer who's always been interested in optimal human performance and that's how I found Shane. If you're looking to upgrade your mental and physical fitness, then the Ultimate Performance Course is for you. It's the key to performing better at work, at home, and in all of life's challenges. I've also found it to be a great community of like-minded and supportive professionals. As Shane says, together, everyone accomplishes more. Want to have your ultimate performance or find out more about how to optimize your mind and body fitness? Contact me at ShaneBorza.com and see if the DIY or the group program would be best for you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Solve Network. These interviews are from our web series of the same name. Want to watch? Head over to YouTube and search for The Solve Network. If you have questions, you can reach out to me at shaneborza.com. On behalf of my co-founder, Benjamin Goss, we're glad you are a part of the network and hope you are finding solutions. If you need solutions, please reach out.